Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Anita Kumar, it, it's been a while. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. It's, uh, I guess it's also been a while for uh, Joe Biden and, and President Trump, so uh, we, we can add that to the list of things we have in common with them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also have a mute button, so we can add that to the list, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Anita Kumar on the final showdown between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And I do want to say a very good evening to both of you. This debate will cover six major topics. At the beginning of each section, each candidate will have two minutes uninterrupted to answer my first question. The debate commission will then turn on their microphone only when it is their turn to answer. What we saw last night was an actual debate. <laughs> that shouldn't be surprising. But after the first debate... I'm not going to answer the question. Why because, would you answer that because question? Because the you question is... The question is... Justice, the radical question. left... Will you who shut is up, on, man? Listen, who is on your list? Uh, I wasn't sure what we would get. And what we really got was a real debate. Two candidates up there conveying what they wanted to on policy. What I'm going to do is pass Obamacare with a public option become Biden care. And it was different. We actually heard substance from both of them. We have to help our small businesses. You, you How are you helping your small businesses when you're forcing wages? What's going to happen and what's been proven to happen is when you do that, these small businesses fire many of their employees. And that policy that they were describing was very different policy. I want to open the schools. We have to open our country. We're not going to have a country. You can't do this. We can't keep this country closed. This is a massive country with a massive economy. We ought to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. We ought to be able to safely open, but would they need resources to open? You need to be able to, for example, if you're going to open a business, have social distancing within the business. And so you could really contrast it. If you didn't know anything about these men, and I don't know who that is, but if you were still trying to make up your mind, you could hear real policy differences. And I think that was really important. Um, they weren't talking over each other. Uh, you know, they, they addressed some of the biggest issues that are happening in the country today. And we, we got to hear that and really, really let that sink in. President Trump came into this debate on the defensive. He's been down in the polls. The last debate appeared to hurt him, or at least it didn't help. What did he go into this debate needing to do, and did he do it? Well, he just really needed to have a better performance. He got criticized even by some of his own supporters and his own allies after that first debate in Cleveland. Uh, he interrupted too much. You didn't want me to ban. All right, we're, uh, gentlemen, Europe, we're, 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 which no, was heavily Mr. President. You would have been President, much later, Joe. Mr. President, much later. Mr. President, Mr. President, you're talking about two million people. You're not President as a moderator. You know, he didn't let any policy in there. He didn't really let there be a contrast. You know, Team Trump really wanted him to allow Joe Biden to talk, not to interrupt him because he might. Uh, make a mistake. They wanted Joe Biden to kind of make his own gaffe or make his own mistake. So they were really trying to prepare him to do something different. He did something different. The strategy was completely different. And I would say it was really pretty effective. Um, you know, I've already heard from people that, you know, the president's allies saying he won the debate, not the normal, you know, he does well. They really thought he did much better than the first one. They're very pleased with how it worked. 
um, you know, you got to hear the contrast and he got to do the the accusation, the criticism he really wanted, which is to bring up Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. His son didn't have a job for a long time, was sadly no longer in the military service. I won't get into that. And he didn't have a job. As soon as he became vice president, Barisma, not the best reputation in the world. I hear they paid him 183000 a month. And talk about uh, Joe Biden as a corrupt politician and put these allegations out there. I guarantee you, if I spent $1 million on you, Joe, I could find plenty wrong. Because right. the kind of things that you've done and the kind of monies that your family has taken, I mean, your brother made money in Iraq, me- millions of dollars. It's something he's been wanting to do for days, weeks. He's been trying to do it. And to be able to bring it up multiple times in the debate, um, you know, was a win for him on that issue. He really wanted to do that. That being said, all the pressure was on the president because exactly as you said, he's down in the polls. He needed to have a knockout performance. He needed to get Joe Biden to have a huge mistake. Neither of those things happened. He had a strong performance, but it isn't likely to change the dynamic. Let's talk about Joe Biden. What was his strategy going into this and how did we see it play out last night? Well, he, as you mentioned, is ahead in the polls. He needed to come through this without making a mistake. And he did. Uh, You know, there were some things that the president got on him, some criticisms, but he didn't have a huge gaffe, not a huge mistake. And that has got to be a sigh of relief. He also wanted to go in there and show, despite what President Trump is saying, that he can be uh, persuasive, that he can have a coherent conversation and and statement that he's not this old man who can't even form a sentence, because that's basically what President Trump has been saying for months now. They're doing anything they can to get this sleepy guy into the White House, and I just don't think the public is going to fall for it. I don't think the public is going to fall for it. You know, in his best days, 25, 30 years ago, he was weak. He was weak. So he needed to go in there and show that he has, uh, you know, the mental acuity to to lead this country. And I think he did. I mean, he didn't have any big mistakes. They have got to be feeling good about it. it. It's not that he had a huge, great performance. It just probably doesn't change the dynamic. It doesn't change the race significantly. And he's up in, you know, almost every poll. What was the most meaningful part of the debate for you? Like, was there anywhere where you think we learned something new about either of the candidates? Well, I would say the biggest, and of course it's always the biggest, is coronavirus. This is the same fellow who told you this is going to end by Easter last time. This is the same fellow who told you that, don't worry, we're going to end this by the summer. We're about to go into a dark winter. President Trump, your reaction, he says you have no plan. I don't think we're going to have a dark winter at all. We're opening up our country. We've learned and studied and understand the disease, which we didn't at the beginning. Um... You know, that was the first segment of the debate last night. You know that President Trump didn't want it to be something he's tried not to talk about. But of course, he knew it was going to be there. It had to be there. It's it's probably the biggest issue facing Americans right now who are still in their homes and not going to their jobs and that sort of thing. Um, there was a real contrast there. Uh, it wasn't surprising because it's something we've heard them talk about on the campaign trail. But just listening to both of them talk about it together, it, I was really struck by it. President Trump is sticking by his we need to open the country rhetoric. Even as coronavirus cases spike up, he's still talking about getting schools open, getting um, people back into their jobs in their actual offices, opening businesses. And, you know, Vice President Biden, while not 
so specific about uh, everything needing to be closed. He did talk about the need to really combat it by keeping some things closed. I would make sure that we set up national standards as to how to open up schools and open up businesses so they can be safe and give them the wherewithal, the financial resources to be able to do that. So if you're someone who's really looking at the pandemic and how that's going to affect you and what that's going to be like, what these people are going to change, that was really something you could look at and, and kind of decide how you feel about that. Do you think this debate will change anything? It's just so hard to see how it's going to change anything because we're, you know, less than two weeks out from Election Day. And I we've got we've got to stop calling it Election Day because tens of millions of people have already voted. Um, So so many people have already voted. So many people have already made up their mind. I did think that President Trump did well. I think that if this had happened months and months ago, it might have meant something. There could have been some momentum there. It just seems like it's too late. For me, one thing that he said particularly resonated. I thought it was a very good argument, a persuasive argument, something that could really resonate with people. It's just kind of late to bring that up. He, he basically said that Vice President Biden was in the White House. He was in office for eight years. But he had eight years he was vice president. He did nothing. And he couldn't get these things done that he wanted to get done. So why does he deserve another chance? And I thought it was effective or it was possibly his most effective argument. But that's an argument he probably should have been making for months now. And, you know, saying it less than two weeks out is probably too late. Anita Kumar, thanks so much for talking with me. Sure. Thanks for having me. Also today, the FDA has formally approved remdesivir, making it the only COVID-19 treatment to win full approval from U.S. regulators. The agency made the decision on Thursday based on three randomized controlled trials that showed remdesivir can reduce the length of hospital stays and the likelihood that patients will require oxygen, though none of those trials, including a large study run by the NIH, found that the drug could reduce the risk of death. The FDA, which normally convenes an independent advisory committee to review drugs prior to approval if there are any questions about a treatment's efficacy or safety, did not do so for remdesivir. The agency said it was not necessary because the drug maker Gilead's application for approval, quote, did not raise significant safety or efficacy issues. And... Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders is hoping to be a part of Joe Biden's possible administration and is expressing particular interest in becoming labor secretary. That's according to two people familiar with the conversations who talked with Politico. On Wednesday, Sanders, who made labor a priority issue throughout his own presidential campaign, declined to confirm or deny that he's putting his name forward for the position. A spokesperson for Biden's transition team who was asked about Sanders' potential role repeated a stock line from the transition team that they're, quote, not making any personnel decisions pre-election. The Politico Dispatch production team includes Jenny Ament and Sadeep Reddy. Our executive producer is Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.